This is Age Well with Dr. Sophie Schotter and this is an extended special, you'll hear why, and it's not only a deep dive into all the next-gen aesthetic treatments that are either available now or very, very soon, it's also, I think, an incredible showcase of Dr. Sophie's skill set, knowledge and passion. Zero bias from me, you really will hear it for yourself. Okay, so let's crack on. I have got some brilliant little teaser clips for you. First we talk a lot about a whole new approach to skincare and aging. If we address what's happening with that cell on a health level, we change how that cell behaves in the future. We talk about why some of these new treatments and protocols are so exciting. That is completely unique. We've extrapolated a few specific treatments and I've asked Dr. Sophie for her viewpoint. We've had phenomenal results within my clinic. We talk about some of the ways in which we can apply new technologies. They have huge potential for regenerating and repairing skin, also in potentially boosting hair growth. Of course, more science, but we do keep it simple. And the reason it's different is it's working to change how your skin behaves. And we find out exactly what Dr. Sophie is having herself in real time right now. I will get in and I will have it as a preventative. So here it is, Regenerative Aesthetics, the next generation of skincare. Well, Sophie, this is such an interesting and exciting and like really meaty topic to get into. And we have got a lot to cover. So I'm going to, as much as possible, take a real back seat on this so you can fill the time with your incredible depth of knowledge. Regenerative aesthetics. What is it? What does it mean? Do you know, regenerative aesthetics, regenerative medicine is being talked about everywhere at the moment. It's an absolute buzzword. It's where we use our body's own ability to repair and regenerate. And that's an area of medicine full stop that's been of interest for several years now. But actually, with aesthetics, we're obviously moving that over to repair and regenerate our own skin. It really does represent a shift within aesthetics because in the past aesthetic treatments have focused very much on treating the signs of aging but not so much on the cause whereas Mm. regenerative aesthetics it can include a plethora of different interventions and treatments that can actually pause and in some cases reverse signs of aging. We now have data that actually shows that aged or wrinkled skin directly releases inflammatory mediators into the bloodstream, which have a direct impact on other organs such as the heart and the brain. So it goes to show that how our skin looks, and bearing in mind that how it looks is a representation of its health, directly Mm. impacts on the health of our other organs and therefore our overall systemic health. That's a game changer in itself, isn't it? To know that. Exactly. And that's quite recently published, actually, only last year. So for me, that's really exciting because it's ever more showing that how we look and how we feel in our health are more interconnected. And we're now starting to actually be able to show that. So within medicine as a whole, there have already been millions of treatments that are classed as regenerative medicine, which have been carried out over many decades. So this encompasses things like stem cells regenerating heart tissue. When we look at it in an aesthetic capacity, 
replacing or regenerating cells that have been damaged by environmental or lifestyle factors. So whether that's smoking or sun exposure, for example, regenerating those cells that have become damaged. And this, just to emphasise again, really is very different than how people within aesthetics have traditionally worked, which is to look at addressing the sign of ageing itself. Mm. And of course, if we address what's happening with that cell on a health level, we change how that cell behaves in the future. And we know that the adult body can produce new tissue in almost every area of the body. And regenerative medicine really does help or it aims to restore these tissues back to normal function and normal health so that we can then preserve that function on an ongoing basis. So it's Mm -hmm. about understanding aging is a natural process, but it's not necessarily a healthy one. Aging is a degenerative process. So what can we do to understand why our body tips into that decline? And then how do we address that? What can we do about it? Yeah, that's really interesting when you say aging. Yes, it's natural, but it is also a sign of degeneration because previously, if we took a statement like that, I would worry that people would think, well, that's just vanity. And it's not because, as you say, we have the data now to show that actually if skin doesn't look great, it is a sign of something going on underneath. And so this is a whole new approach, which is why I understand why people are getting very excited about not just the treatments, but also the mindset as well. So in terms of treatments, oh, wow, we could go on, I know, because from my research, I can see there's a lot out there. What's impressing you? What is out there? Oh, gosh, where to start with all of this? Because there's so much. I guess if I break it down by starting with things that stimulate collagen and elastin. So collagen and elastin, we've spoken about before, but are the skin's integral structural proteins. And we have various ways of stimulating that new collagen formation in the skin. So one which I have been very involved in is something called Harmonica. So Harmonica is unique in that it's a hybrid injectable. And that means it combines hyaluronic acid, as is found in traditional filler, with a biostimulatory ingredient called calcium hydroxyapatite. So this is going really a step beyond filler and a step beyond biostimulators. And it really does give this immediate volume, which is long-lasting. And the immediate volume is by virtue of the hyaluronic acid, whereas the long-lasting result is from the collagen stimulation produced by the calcium hydroxyapatite. And that is completely unique. We are seeing other injectables coming to market, which are combining different ingredients. So for example, there are two injectables called Juvaluk and Lenisna, which combine non-cross-linked hyaluronic acid with an ingredient called PDLLA, which I guess a, a more sophisticated version of PLLA, which is another biostimulator. And this gives really lovely results for the body, for the face, but also particularly I've been impressed with it around the eye area. Yeah. I have got two or three questions. Is a biostimulator, is that something that uses your own organic, what's already in your body and you're putting it into your body? Is that what a biostimulator is? Yes and no. Well, no, biostimulators, it really talks about stimulating your biology. Now, calcium hydroxyapatite, which is what's in harmonica and which is in radies, it is actually a naturally occurring substance that's found in our bone. But PLLA and 
PCL, polycaprinolactone, they're not found naturally in the human body. These are synthetic substances which stimulate collagen production. Right. So the term biostimulator just refers to that stimulation of your own biology. Okay. So we're seeing within the injectable space that fillers are developing, but so are biostimulators because Biostimulators have been around for a long time. You might have heard of Sculptra, which contains PLLA, or Alonce, which contains polycaprinolactone, and Radies, which contains calcium hydroxyapatite. And all of these products have been available and on the market for quite a long time. And they work by being injected in a carrier medium which then disappears and your result comes from the collagen stimulation that's generated. But these are in various forms, they can be very successful, but they can also be associated with problems. So what we get with harmonica is this improved long-lasting volume by combining it with a cross-linked hyaluronic acid. And with Juvaluk and Linisna, a progression on PLLA, which is a sort of a smoother molecule and associated with less lumps and bumps forming than may have been the case with sculpture in the past. So we're seeing really great developments within this injectable sphere. And then we also have devices that stimulate collagen production. So with devices, we have ultrasound-based. So my go-to here is Softwave, which I is a newer generation of ultrasound technology compared with HIFU or Ultherapy. And it works differently purely within the dermis, but really de- delivering quite a lot of energy to stimulate collagen and elastin production. And we've had phenomenal results within my clinic. And then you also have radiofrequency microneedling. So some that people might have heard of are Morpheus 8, Profound, which is by Candela, and Secret RF is another popular one. So there are lots and lots of different devices that combine these two technologies. And I'm actually particularly excited because I'm going to be involved in some studies on a new device coming to the UK called the Profound Matrix, which is again a progression of this technology. And these work by stimulating collagen through both the needle penetrating the skin and the delivering of energy into various layers of the facial or body tissues. We've got a collagen episode where we talk about collagen supplements. Could you maybe not take the supplements and invest purely in everything you've discussed here? If saying if someone was in a budget, they might think, well, I can afford the supplements or I can afford the treatments. I can't do both. What do you think about that? It's a tricky one because the supplements are not going to do what the what the treatments do you're not going Mm -hmm. to get the same sort of stimulation from taking a good collagen or elastin supplement but of course a good collagen and elastin supplement really does help to support your whole body so the way I see it is when people take a good supplement it really reassures me that we're giving them everything that they need to achieve a good result from treatments and skincare as well. So Mm. for me, with supplementation, you're really also working on your inside-out health. Mm. And the combination of supplements and skincare, I think, is a very powerful one. Generally speaking, bearing in mind that all of these things do need maintenance. If someone is on a more limited budget, I will always recommend starting with skincare and supplementation rather than investing in treatments that can be very expensive to maintain because you're more likely to get a good lasting result 
if you do something consistently. So we have to bear in mind they're different. You're not going to get the same results from supplementing, but I think supplementation is extremely important. Mm. We also then have with injectables something which a few people may have heard of called polynucleotides, and they've been talked about quite a lot recently. And polynucleotides are the basis of our genetic material, and the ones that are being injected are from fish origins. And these stimulate the stem cells of our skin to in turn promote the fibroblasts to produce collagen, elastin and hyaluronic acids. So we have a real regeneration that's happening. And again, one of the things I love about polynucleotides is that they can be used around the eyes, which is different than skin boosters that we've had in the past, like Profilo or Sunicos or Tearsil Redensity 1. They all have their place, which we'll discuss in a separate episode. Mm. And these are all also working on regenerating your own tissue. And it's an area I think we will see grow and grow and therefore also the results potentially getting better and better. Okay. Can you just let me know what brand name, are you allowed to mention brand names? Yeah, so Nucleophil, Amila, Chroma's Philart, which is the one that we use in clinic, and Plenayage, and these are all different brand names. Dermafocus have another one. And all of them have a slightly different profile, but for us, the one that we use is Chroma's Philart product. And then the other one I mentioned for eyes is called Juvilook which is a hybrid of hyaluronic acid with this PDLLA, which is associated with far lower side effects. And we've seen really great results with that around the eye area as well. Mm. Okay, thank you. I think another area that I think we'll see, I, I think skin boosters in general will see a lot of development in the future. But something I think is really interesting is actually to do with gene therapy. And genetics is something that over the last few decades, we've seen such rapid increase in our knowledge and understanding. And when I was actually at medical school, I really was convinced that genetics was the future of all medicine. And I actually did an extra degree in genetics in relation to medicine. And we now have gene therapies available to treat a variety of conditions. And it's something I think we'll see more. And there is already research, it's in relatively early stages in phase two trials, looking at gene therapy to target skin aging. So the idea is to potentially introduce a synthetic gene that helps to turn back the clock on aging skin cells. And particularly, this is looking at targeting production of type three collagen, which is abundant in our skin as babies, but decreases with age. And if this does go ahead, it will probably sit in the category of a skin boosting treatment involving lots of tiny injections into the skin. But that's something that I think is exciting and interesting for the future. Mm. And as you say, it's in testing because these things always need testing and that testing takes years, not weeks and and months. What about, and apologies if if this is the same sort of thing, what about stem cell Ah. therapy and what are are stem cells? (laughs) So no, not the same thing. So stem cells are cells within our body that have the potential to develop characteristics of other cells. So for example, if you damage a tissue, your stem cells can turn into these different cell types so that you can repair and replace the affected cells. Now, within aesthetics, stem cells 
are still a relatively new area. And the stem cells themselves can also, they contain and release proteins and amino acids that signal other cells and actually exosomes, which is something we'll come on to, which in theory Mm. means that they can contribute to creating much younger looking skin. And it's an area that in its own right isn't controversial, but the fact that in some cases this may use human-based ingredients does raise controversy because Mm. actually within the UK at the moment, that's actually illegal. And more than that, stem cells themselves, there's no way for them to survive in a beauty product, in a cosmetic product. They can Mm. only function in their natural environments or in laboratory conditions. So we're seeing some products advertising plant stem cells, but rather than actually being the live stem cell, they're containing extracts. So when we're talking about stem cells in skincare, which has become a little bit of a hype, really, to date, what most people have been talking about is growth factors. And these are one of the things that can be released by stem cells and can help to signal cells to perform certain tasks. And so it's an interesting area. But for me, It's been a slightly tricky one because growth factors, when we're talking about human-derived ones, at the moment, they're not legal in a cosmetic product in the UK, although unfortunately there are some available. Plant-based growth factors, when we're talking about just a single growth factor, that can't have that powerful an effect on a human cell. You would need a big array of different growth factors to have that sort of effect. So, Really for me, and then there's the whole area of synthetic alternatives, which is what a good friend and colleague of mine has worked with a company called Cellderma. That is another area of potential development. So we have some incredible and exciting science happening, some of which is transferable to what we can do in the UK at the moment, and some of it, which is actually not human derived, but no less exciting. But for me, all of this has maybe been superseded by exosomes, which I think we'll talk about a little bit more, which harness the potential to deliver more complex combinations than just a single growth factor. When we talk about human-derived products, and bearing in mind there are listeners in other parts of the world, some markets do allow human-derived products, and the US is a big one. So within the US, there are cosmetic products available which contain human-derived growth factors. So these come from things like foreskins or placenta or umbilical cords. And what we have to remember is as much as not everyone likes that idea, by the time Mm. they end up in a product, they're nowhere near that original cell that was taken. They've been laboratory processed many times over. But it's still something that, as I say, in the UK at the moment should not be commercially available, but is in in some other countries. We are going to go into exosomes, but before we do, I wanted to go back to the sort of array of treatments that you mentioned Mm. and just ask about, are they permanent? And I know you've mentioned lots, so how many of them maybe are permanent, if any, and also downtime, how many of them can you go into clinic and go out without any redness and soreness, and how many of them would people know you've had treatment done? So there is no such thing as permanent because our skin continues to age. I could have one of these treatments today, and tomorrow my skin is still 24 hours older. But Mm. if you have these treatments, you will have 
proteins and substances in your skin that you wouldn't otherwise have had. So your skin will age better than it would have done without the treatment. But in order to maintain those sorts of results, you will have to have ongoing treatments and the interval will vary between treatments. It could be that you have a skin booster like Profilo every six months, or it might be that you repeat Softwave every nine to 12 months. And in terms of downtime, with injectable treatments, we have to assume that you could bruise, there may be a minor degree of swelling involved, but for most people, that's relatively easy to manage. With technology-based treatments, there's a little bit more variation. So an ultrasound-based treatment like Softwave has no downtime afterwards. Although the treatment itself at times may be slightly uncomfortable, the moment it's done, there's no discomfort, no redness, no soreness. Whereas mm. treatments like radiofrequency microneedling, they can have a little bit more downtime attached to them. But again, this depends on how aggressive your treatment is. Some people have very minimal problems from treatment and other people find they're a little bit more red and uncomfortable or reactive afterwards. Exosomes. Yes. What are they? Can you please explain these? So exosomes, they're these little vesicles. They're these small sacs of membrane which are released from a stem cell and can contain multiple different things. In case anyone's wondering, we are talking about things that already exist in our body. Yes. This isn't a treatment we're talking about or an injectable. No. This, we all have these. So I just exactly. people are going, oh, I'll buy those. No, you've got no. them. <laughs> Your exosomes are released by cells to communicate with one another. Stem cells release, an ex release exosomes to tell other cells how to behave. And those actions that are prompted are based on what's inside those exosomes and the commands that those ingredients issue. So mm -hmm. it might be that they help to make more antioxidants or to make more collagen and elastin, And they're really very powerful in terms of what they can do. So they're relatively... I guess you could call them a new kid on the block when it comes to, to regenerative aesthetics. They've been used in the US for a while longer than they have in the UK. And as I said, in the US, human-derived products are legal. And so the ones that first came to market were human-derived. So these little sacs can contain lots of different things, growth factors. They may contain DNA. They can contain proteins and amino acids. They can contain vitamins, minerals. And so they can be quite complex structures compared with, if anyone's ever heard of a liposome, you might think, are these not the same as a liposome? Well, no, because actually a liposome is a much more simple structure, even though it is also a, a little vesicle that's released from a cell. Mm -hmm. These different exosomes are different in that they can contain this complex blend of ingredients. Now, there are lots of studies on exosomes in, again, in general medicine, on repairing cartilage and joints, for example. But we now do see and believe that they have huge potential for regenerating and repairing skin, and also in potentially boosting hair growth. Mm. So when you talk about how they're being used, you will find some people who are claiming you should inject them. But actually, that's something that in the UK, we deliver through microneedling or in combination with other treatments that boost collagen. Topical application is enough. You do not need to inject the ones that I advocate using. And the whole idea is that they not only help your skin to look better, but that they will help your skin to behave like younger skin. So it's really mm. working on a deep cellular level to, as we talked about, regenerate.
The ones that I've been using are a brand called XOE, which are plant-derived. So again, as I hinted at earlier with growth factors, there is no one single plant that contains everything that a human cell needs to communicate. So these contain a blend of plant-based ingredients from many different plants. And we've had fabulous results with XOE, both in terms of standalone in terms of skin quality and behavior but also in helping skin to heal more quickly after treatments that have impaired the skin barrier for example radiofrequency mm. microneedling you're now seeing a huge blend of other products arriving so even brands like Barbara Stern, who is releasing an exosome-based skin product, we have to think that there will be differences between the more clinical exosomes and the products that are released for home care. But another one I think is interesting and is in the form of a cream is a brand called Morphia, which is from a bovine origin. So I do urge people to think before just blindly having an exosome treatment. Because although there are rules in place, at the moment it's still a little bit of a grey area in terms of how they're being used and marketed in the UK. Mm. And do you think this is something we'll see happening, another area we'll see growing more and more? When we look at skin and what's coming, South Korea is often a good place to look. And if you see a dermatologist or a plastic surgeon out there, they may tell you to bank your stem cells for future use. And we might find that sort of thing becomes a common investment in our own skin health for the future. And as we always say, everything here is going to be in the show notes. People can go off and do their own research, which brings me on to Daxify. People are getting really excited by this. Can we talk about that? So what I'm going to cover is more generically about wrinkle relaxers rather than talking about one specific brand, because really wrinkle relaxers are where the whole specialty of aesthetic medicine started. And since the inception where we had one brand. We now have several available and often these come to market in the US before in the UK. And one thing that people often talk about is the longevity. So every new product that comes to market seems to claim longer longevity. And that's certainly the pattern that I've been seeing. However, All of these products which we currently have available are botulinum toxin type A's. They all use the generic same toxin. So how they're claiming different longevities very often comes down to how they're doing their clinical studies. Some studies talk about medians and some talk about means. And so we I don't personally think we can claim, based on any data that I've seen, significantly different longevities between these products. We do know that there's a dose-related effect on longevity, and it's often a balancing act with patients between achieving a clinically nice result that looks natural with having a desirable longevity. Of course, I could put more in people and they'd be very frozen, but it would last longer. But for most people, that's not a trade-off they want to make. So I would say for me, the things I'm more excited about within the toxin space are different types of toxin which are also in some cases in advanced development. So we know that there are botulinum toxin type E, which will come to market in the next couple of years, which will be more quick onset and shorter acting. So great for people who 
want to try the treatment without committing Mm. to a longer result. And there are long-acting toxins which are in development, which I think will be significantly different and that I'm excited to hear more about as and when we can. Yeah. And I suspect if we did this episode in a year's time, things will have moved on and progressed again. Always. So watch this space. Yeah. <laughs> in terms of ingredients, skincare ingredients that perhaps we, we haven't discussed here or maybe in our skincare app from last year, are there any new specific ingredients in skincare that are on your radar? Yeah, always. There's some good ones, but there's one product which launched last year and it's this ingredient is only in that product at the moment. The ingredient is sunflower sprout extract. And the reason it's different, it's working to change how your skin behaves. So it really works to boost cellular energy and can potentially also help to boost levels of NAD+. It's a really interesting ingredient and the product it's in is the revision dej daily boosting serum so this is one which i mean i noticed really quick results on my own skin and it's one of those products now that i will not be without because when you look at the level of evidence and it has some top tier scientific publications it's really showing that it's changing how a cell behaves and that's something that is not common to see within skincare and NAD plus we've talked about before and in the skincare space you will see a lot of brands claiming to have NAD plus as an ingredient now NAD plus is an inherently unstable ingredient it needs to be kept in a freezer in a laboratory it's stable for a very short period of time outside of the freezer and to date I haven't seen any products which have been able to show me their stability data to show that they have harnessed NAD plus in a way that will actually give tangible and meaningful skin results. So what we need to think about more is how we boost these things indirectly through ingredients in this case with NAD plus like the sunflower sprout extract or with collagen we know that it's not about putting collagen in a cream it's about stimulating collagen production rather than thinking about necessarily the end ingredient itself and if we think about biohacking our skin and everyone thinks about collagen really think about if you preserve the health of those cells that are making collagen the fibroblast cells then we help to preserve our overall collagen levels. And that is one of the things that these boosted levels of NAD plus have been shown to do. And as we're mentioning NAD+, we mentioned that I think on our biohacking episode, we've mentioned it a few times. Let's just give a mention to Nuchido, that you've got me into (laughs) and my husband into, and Nicola, who is the founder, who uh, has done some amazing podcasting too. So uh, people can go and look at that as well. Now, if people can't afford all of these kinds of treatments, what's the next best thing? We've touched on this because you've mentioned your lifestyle and I know you have an amazing lifestyle. What would you say to people to focus on? I think really focus on the basics. Think of it as the three S's, sunscreen first and foremost. So using a sunscreen every single day, unless you need a torch to see, you should have a sunscreen on. And this (laughs) should have not just a good high SPF of at least 30, that protects against UVB, but also a broad spectrum UVA coverage. So it needs both of those factors. Then Mm -hmm. a good and consistent skincare routine. Think about incorporating antioxidants like vitamin 
vitamin C, whether that's as L-ascorbic acid or whether it's as THD vitamin C. So there are different forms of vitamin C or niacinamide is another good antioxidant, ingredients that help to protect your skin. And Mm. last but not least, the third S, sleep. It's so important for longevity, but while we're asleep, that's the only time that our skin regenerates and heals. And there was actually a study by a group in Sweden where they restricted sleep and showed that it negatively impacts facial appearance. So we really know sleep is absolutely crucial. And those three things can be something that absolutely everyone can do. Yeah, yeah. And we do have a dedicated sleep podcast episode coming down the line in March as well. Quick question. What do you have done? I don't know that everyone's skin is different. So what's right for you won't be right for me. But which do you, you yeah, use? I, do you I absolutely practice what I preach. And I guess I should caveat all of this with saying none of these treatments are a silver bullet because actually so much of it comes down to lifestyle as well. I don't smoke. Mm. I am usually very measured with alcohol and sugar intake. I exercise every day. Mm. And despite a busy lifestyle, I really try and prioritize my sleep. Mm. So there's a lot that I'm doing to manage my lifestyle which I think we have to remember, no amount of treatments will mitigate a bad lifestyle. And then in terms of the treatments that I have, I do very much embrace regular treatments. I have had Softwave, I think, four times now. I have skin boosters on a regular basis, whether we're talking about profilo or polynucleotides or another one. I do very much believe in those. I've also had harmonica. Mm-hmm. I have a good and consistent skincare routine. I've had radiofrequency microneedling. All of these things I would say I have and I maintain. Mm-hmm. There are some which I maintain regularly knowing the treatment interval should be this. And so even if I don't look at my skin and go, oh my gosh, it really needs it yet, I will get in and I will have it Mm. as a preventative. And there are others something particularly which may involve downtime where I'm much more cautious and I will wait until I'm feeling like actually I might start needing this now Mm. and in terms of doing things for my absolutely I, I don't believe that we should be treating ourselves because also it can be very easy to lose objectivity about your own yes. face yeah, so yeah. I have members of my team who I trust and I have a fabulous doctor colleague who I work very closely with on the Allegan faculty who when I do need any little filler tweaks is my go-to. Beyond treatments, are there any, as we're talking about future skincare and aesthetics and things, are there any trends or shifts in behaviours that you foresee coming down the pipeline beyond everything we've discussed? I think one big one is prejuvenation. So historically within aesthetics, a lot of people waited until they started seeing more signs of aging before they came and embarked on treatments. Whereas nowadays, we're seeing a lot of younger people looking at ways to preempt changes in their skin condition and health. And absolutely prevention is better than cure. But it's important to remember that doesn't mean that you should be embarking on an injectables heavy regime at a young age, Mm. because I think that leads to different problems. This is more focusing on skin health. And that may involve injectables for some people, but it's not about an area which I'm concerned about, which is young people having too many treatments and looking like contorted versions of themselves. This is about preservation of skin health and prevention being better than cure. Mm. 
I also think we're going to see the body is the next frontier. And we already have a lot of treatments available for the body, but I think more and more we'll see treatments coming to the forefront, which target our body health and our body skin more and more, especially with this understanding that skin health impacts our internal health. And our facial skin is only a very small percentage of our all over skin surface Mm. area. Mm, yeah we've done an episode on mushrooms already and in skincare and I do think we will see a growing interest in not just mushrooms but plant-derived ingredients and the fact that nature holds so many secrets that we don't fully understand yet and that doesn't mean natural skincare this is the harnessing of ingredients that are clinically effective and sometimes in combination with laboratory derived ingredients but we will see I think more and more of these high performing botanicals and then microbiome friendly skincare has been around for a little while but there's more brands that are going to focus I think on the relationship between gut and skin microbiome so I think one that's just coming to market is Luna Daily which focuses on microbiome balancing but there's also an amazing brand called BioJuve which is they're calling it microbiome care rather than skincare so it is about Mm. the skin's microbiome but it's the first brand that's harnessed a naturally occurring skin friendly microorganism to help boost skin health and I think that is a really interesting development I think we can't go anywhere without thinking about sustainability and I think there are a lot of brands that are maybe greenwashing a little bit but I don't think any skincare should be launching today without considering the impact of their formulation on the environment and their packaging on the environment. And that can be expensive to do, but we might see more and more brands really focusing on that. And then sun care, I think we're going to see more and more brands innovating in the sun care space as well. I have heard on the grapevine that La Roche-Posay have a new launch coming later this year with sun care and they already have some of my favourite sunscreens. Yeah, yeah. I use that brand as well. So you mentioned artificial intelligence in a Harper's Bazaar article that I'll link into. And I'm really glad that you contain this to things like virtual consultations and maybe sort of skin analysis algorithms rather than sort of training robots to administer injectables, which just seems like horror upon horror. Do you see AI, which I'm not really a huge fan of, do you see AI doing much more in the aesthetics and longevity space beyond this article or do you want to maybe expand upon what you you mentioned so what you say about injecting robots is interesting because actually that does exist a company (laughs) did develop a robot that could inject wrinkle relaxers and it hasn't really gone any further and we'll see whether that comes in the future but for me that's not the space I'm excited by what I'm excited about is the power of AI to enhance what we as humans can do because it's not about replacing humans I think we see even within the beauty space for example there are some really exciting developments like there's a foundation brand called Decipher which is the first AI powered foundation brand and then I think we'll see 
when you really combine tech with clinical expertise. So, for example, using AI to help track skin changes over time and to help with early detection of things like melanoma. There's also a platform called Clearer, which offers epigenetic skin typing. And again, epigenetics Mm. is one aspect of skin aging. It's not the whole picture. So at the moment, there are many things that offer maybe a small piece of the puzzle, but then feed back into human expertise, which ties all of these things together. But I think we'll see Mm. lots more exciting things coming in this space. Finally, what about neuroglow, which is the relationship between how we look and how we feel and that interconnectedness with mental health? Really, that's what it's all about, because ultimately the line or the wrinkle isn't the problem. It's how we feel about it. So Mm. when we're thinking about any aesthetic interventions, it should never be approached solely from a physical perspective, even though there is a, a big physical component. It's about that interplay between physical and psychological. And mm. for me, the thing that really brings me joy about my job is that impact on patients. Treatments should bring real joy, and it's the bringing back of people's smiles that is what gave me my name for my first clinic, Illuminate. It's about the way someone's face lights up when they smile again. That's so nice. And (laughs) we have, we do have studies. So one study published quite a long time ago now, 2002, showed that individuals who reported positive attitudes about their own aging lived longer. And those who Mm. had negative attitudes died on average seven and a half years before those who are positive. We do need to think about this and the way we feel about our appearance as a bigger picture. And as much as we could say, just train yourself, be strong enough that how we look doesn't impact how we feel, we have to accept that in today's society, for most of us, it does. On a more holistic side, I really do want to see more people embarking on treatments for the right reasons, not because they feel pressured because of social media or a certain celebrity. I think for me, really embarking on treatments for personal reasons, for their own well-being, that's for me where I want to see more and more people taking their aesthetic journeys. Mm. And I think really when we think about ageing as a whole, we are an aging population. As of 2020, globally, we have over a billion people over the age of 60. So that's 13.5% of the world population. And that's predicted to grow even more to 2.1 billion by 2050. So we're aging as a society rapidly. But that doesn't mean that we're aging in the same way as we used to. We're aging differently. So Mm. all of these treatments, whether they're external on the skin or internal for our health impact on what that journey looks like. So I think it's very much about embracing this holistic approach to aging and also reframing what aging means because how we age now is very different than how my grandparents aged for example and maybe thinking about Over the last few years, the way mental health conversations have been opened up and reframed has been so healthy. And I'd love to see that happen with the ageing conversation as well. Wonderful. Well, first, where to begin? I want all of it, every single treatment. And um, second, your depth of knowledge is, it just blows me away. So as always, thank you, Sophie. Thank you, Fee. 
And that ends our podcast. If you want to explore more of what we talked about, simply head to the show notes. We've done all of the research and noting down of names, ideas, any studies we mentioned so you don't have to go digging. To be ahead of the latest episode, press follow on Apple Podcasts. That's the little cross on the top right. Or simply hit follow on Spotify or whichever podcast app you use. Also, do follow Sophie on Instagram and TikTok. There's loads of great content and little explainers on there. Search for Dr. Sophie Schotter. Finally, if you're close to London or Kent, you can book a consultation with Sophie and find out more about who she is and the range of treatments and services she offers via drsophieschotter.com. And by the way, there's some great blog content on the website too. My name's Fiona Mattacini. On behalf of myself and Sophie, please do take a moment to rate and review the show. It all helps. And of course, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.